I just want to repeat, uh, I just earmarked just two paragraphs just to pick up from where I left off. Father, we thank you for the anointing this evening. We thank you for your help, for your strength, for the wisdom and revelation that the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of you, which means your word, because you are the word made flesh. I thank you, Holy Ghost, you take the word and you make it a real unto us. Father, we've built this ministry on the word and on the spirit. That is why we're going to last the test of time. That is why when the fads come and go, we're going to be still standing as a church, corporately and individually, as individual believers. That is why Father Dad Hagen told those ministries in the healing revival, don't build your ministry on the gifts of the Spirit. Build your ministries on the Word, and the gifts of the Spirit will confirm the Word. But many of them didn't listen to him, and all of them died prematurely. All of their ministries ended prematurely because we're not basing our ministry on signs and wonders. We're not basing it on supernatural activities or events or dramatic manifestations of the Holy Ghost or the gifts of the Holy Ghost. We're basing it on your word. Father, your word is the only thing that lasts forever. Now, Lord, we want the gifts. We want the power. We want the dramatic manifestations. We want the signs and the wonders. And we're praying for it more than ever before. We're praying for boldness and for signs and wonders more than ever before, but never at the expense of your word. Because signs and wonders don't change us, Father. They, 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 they refresh us. They may heal our bodies. They may change us from that perspective, but they don't change our minds. Only your word renews our thought process. Only your word transforms us by the renewing of our mind, according to Romans 12 too. So Father, only your word has the power to make us think differently. No amount of anointing and power and gifts will ever make us think differently, but the anointing on your word will make us think differently. So Lord, that is what we've based this ministry on, Father, on your word. That is what Dad Hagen based his ministry on, the Word. That's why after 70 years, he, he went home strong, not, not decrepit, not crippled, not under the barrel, but strong. He went home to be with you because he based it on the Word. He didn't die prematurely. His ministry didn't end prematurely. It was based on the Word and on the Spirit. And I felt prompted to say that because some of you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't know how to say it, but I'm just warning you. The, re, the way that you have longevity in life is not by being emotional and not by running after every person that's got a little bit of power working in their ministry or by trying to seek after I need a stronger anointing to heal the sick or anything like that. That all comes as secondary. The way you stay strong and the way you'll last through this dark world is you get in this book and you'll get in a church that stays in this book and you live your life based on the word because the word changes the way you think and when you think right you'll act right you'll speak right you'll have right you'll do right when you think right it's all about the mind you got to get your mind renewed it's not the sexy message that people like to hear it's not the ear tingling message but it's the message that works this, this church, the reason we've, listen, we're not that old. We're only in our 11th year. But the reason that we've lasted the, all the tests and trials and struggles and attacks, and the reason we're going to last until the day Jesus says, come up hither and we hear. The reason is because we've based it on the word. We haven't based it on trying to imitate another church's way of doing things. A lot of churches do that. We haven't based it on emotionalism and screaming and running around and sweating. Although sometimes we do run around and sweat, but it's not based on that. We haven't based it on miracles or laughter 
chapter or the manifestations of the Holy Ghost, although we hunger for those manifestations, and in Jesus' name we have more of them. But it's not based on that. It's based on the Word. And the reason why we're still here and we're always going to be here, you may not always be here if you get away from the Word, but I'm always going to be here at this church. Whether you leave or not, you can tune on in 10 years and I'll still be here because the Word is what lasts forever and the Word keeps you straight and sound and on the right course. So don't ever be very careful that you stay close with the Word. There's a big church in the States. They're a great church in many ways, but they're into some areas of error now. David Hogan used to go there and he he told me some warnings about it that he was concerned about. And recently it came out that one of their pastors made a comment that God is uh, God is higher or God is above. Is that how they said it? God is above his word. God is above his word, meaning God can tell us to do things that are not according to the scripture and it's okay. Do you understand? And so they've started to dabble in occult practices now. They've started to dabble in witchcraft stuff. And and they're trying to get power to work and not using the name of Jesus. Now that is heresy and that is false doctrine. But it started by the, and it wasn't even the senior pastor, one of the associate pastors saying God is above his word. Meaning the word is not really as important as we've all thought it is. And whatever God leads us to do and whatever we feel God is telling us to do, that is where we go. And I'm talking about thousands and thousands of people, a mega church, a major church, putting out CD albums that everybody in the world listens. I'm talking about big ministries here. I'm not talking about some small little ministry like ours. I'm telling you that what, what, what Brandy Greer said was true, that, that, that there's a spirit, there's that, uh, what, what, it's on the tip of my tongue. No, no, no. That, what's the name of that, that devil that he was talking about? Not the religious spirit. He said it goes after It goes after seducing spirit. That seducing spirit and doctrines of demons go after high-ranking churches, high-ranking pastors, people with large ministries and large followings and a lot of people watching them around the world. That seducing, lying spirit tries to get in them to get them into false doctrine. Sometimes it's accompanied by a religious spirit. Other times it's not. But that seducing spirit, that lying spirit will try to get them off the word. And if, and anytime you hear somebody say God is over bigger than his word or whatever, you got to be very careful because uh, the word is what we keep as our foundation and it's our anchor. The Bible even calls it the anchor of our soul. It's what holds us in a tumultuous uh, world where there's so much deception that is going left, right and every other way. It's the word that holds us steady. And so I, I say these things not to, not to draw, not to hurt anybody, not to throw any ministry under the bus because these big churches are doing a lot more than I'm doing and, they're, and they're done a, they've done a lot more than I've ever done. And, and, and we thank God for their place in the body of Christ. We're not against anybody. And I'm not saying names because that would be inappropriate. But what I'm saying is that there's a lot of places that are big and fancy and moving with money and moving with this and moving with influence. But there is a problem with their belief on the word and you watch that ch- those kind of churches go under those kind either they go under or they get completely off and they go into almost like a like a sub christianity almost like a cultish type thing because they if you get away from the word you're 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 off you're off 
I won't say the name, but one of the biggest churches in the world. They, they have a, a, an office, a church, a satellite church in New York City, thousands of people. And when a secular man asked that pastor, the pastor of the New York branch, not the main branch, which is in another country, but when one of the news media asked him point blank, what do you believe about homosexuality? He said, and I'm, he said, it's a complicated issue. That's what he said. It's a complicated issue, and I don't, well, I don't want to comment about what we believe about homosexuality. Listen, I'm telling you, that's not right. We don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to try to get a lawsuit. We don't need people angry with us unnecessarily. But if somebody ever asks me, no matter who they are and no matter who's watching, what do you believe about this? Something that is clearly listed in the Word. We can't say it's a complicated issue. We plead the Fifth Amendment. We're not going to answer you. When it's clearly listed in the Word, we can say say what the Bible says with a spirit of love and a spirit of wisdom and, and not, not with a, 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 you know, something to try to cause a fight, but we can say with the, what, with the anointing what the word says. And when you start backing away from the word, why? Why are they doing that? Because they know that people will stop coming to their church in the droves that they're coming if they take a stand against homosexuality. They know that. That's why a lot of churches don't teach on tithing anymore. Because they know that people will state that one of the largest churches in Toronto, who is a faith church, I spoke with the pastor personally, and he said, I don't teach on tithing anymore because people don't like it. And I said, Pastor, it doesn't matter what the people like. You need to teach the tithing whether you need the money or not. They need to know about tithing for their finances because that's a covenant issue. Well, be that as it may, I, I, I just I don't want to ruffle feathers and I just want the church to keep growing. That's what he told me. Face to face, eyeball to eyeball. I'm not misquoting and I'm not making it up. You see, that is getting away from the word. Why? Because you want numbers and you want growth, but you're getting away from the doctrines of the word. We've got to stay with the word. It doesn't matter if people like it or not. It doesn't matter if people come or leave. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if people persecute us. It doesn't matter if they put us in prison. It doesn't matter if they call us bigots and narrow-minded freaks. It doesn't matter. If it's in the Word and we have revelation into that Word by the Holy Ghost, we must stand for it no matter what. Amen. Amen. I don't know why the Holy Ghost having me say this, but somebody or more than one person listening, you need to hear what I'm saying by the Spirit to you. Stop with all your this and that and looking left and right. Look at the Word. The answer is in the Word. And if you don't know where it is, pray in the Holy Ghost until He reveals it to you. But there's always a scripture that is associated with that answer. It's Judas don't know where it is, but that doesn't mean it's not there. Don't get off. Don't get off with other churches. Don't get off with other ministries. Stay with the Word. Praise God. And of course, there's many ministries that are strong in the Word. Praise God for that. And there's many ministries that will bless you and encourage you because they are with the word. I'm just warning you, there's some out there that are, that are becoming frauds, that are becoming mimics, that are becoming what we see in Ephesians 4, where they are with cunning craftiness by the slight of man's hand, taking advantage of people and getting them away in Jesus' name. Even the, even the Catholic Church, which we're not against, we love all people. But when the Pope puts out two press releases two years ago, one that there is no hell and one that there is no sin. That is anti the word. The Bible clearly says there's hell and clearly, repeatedly says there's sin. <laughs> and so it don't matter that he wears a fancy thing and he's got a fancy hat and he's got a fancy Pope mobile and he's got millions of people. None of that matters. If it's anti the word, we reject it. That's right. We reject it wholeheartedly if it's anti the word. Praise God. So I encourage you, stay with the word. Amen. We're word people, but not just word people. We're word and spirit people. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I wanted to remind you, remember what we talked about. The Lord said to me, if they don't even believe I want them prospered, 
they're sunk before the ship even leaves the harbor. And so a little while ago, a couple weeks ago, I was teaching and hammering about get that first soil of your heart soft so that the seed of the word of prosperity can come in. The subject of prosperity found in the word can get in and believe that God wants you blessed. Yeah. Amen. That's very important. Now, then he said, now oh, to open up this book, Craig. And he said, now, now tell them these two important, important areas. And so let me read you the first, only one paragraph. Okay. Let, let, let me actually remember I inverted the order last time I was about to do the same mistake. So let me just go. First of all, we know that God wants us blessed. Okay, that was the first thing he said. If they don't know that I want them blessed. Remember, the money is on the earth. God's put the money on the earth because we're his children and we're covenant with him and he wants us blessed. I wish above all things that you would prosper. That means material wealth and be in health. That means physical health, even as your soul prospers. God wants you blessed. You got to first understand that. Remember, we said there's three parties involved. It's like a triangle. Okay, or maybe another, I don't know, I don't like to put the devil on the same level as God, so it's some kind of a triangle on, the, on, its, on an angle, and there's God, and there's the devil, and then there's us. There's three parties involved. There's nobody else involved. It's God, the devil, and you. You first got to know what God wants. God wants you blessed. He put the money in the earth for you, not for the sinners. They, they, they take advantage of it, and that's fine, but it was for you. He put it for his children, and he wants, above all things, for you to be prosperous and in health as your mind is renewed. So you've got to first of all understand what does God want? That's category one. God wants me blessed and I'm worthy of it. Praise God. Category two, what is, what is the devil's take on all of this? The devil's job is to stop the increase getting into your life and he's very skillful at it. Very skillful. And you've got to understand that he is the problem, not God. Because that religious spirit will tell you that God is withholding things from you because he's trying to purify you through poverty. And that is anti-scriptural. God is not withholding anything from you. The devil is the one withholding. So what, what does God want? He wants me blessed. What does the devil want? He doesn't want me blessed. Let me read you about this Remember, I came to this book to show you these last two principles. I hammered the previous week about how God wants us blessed. But then the Lord said, now go to this little book and talk about the other two principles, which is what the devil's side is and what their side is. We already know God's side. He wants us blessed. Now let's talk about just one paragraph. I'll read it again of what God said to Brother Hagin about what the devil's doing. And I'm reading from page 16 on how God taught me about prosperity. The Lord said, quote, I'm not withholding adequate food and clothing from your little children. That's not me. It's the devil. He's the God of this world. Now he goes in to explain a lot more, but just that one little phrase, what, that's, that's what the Lord quickened for me to read to you. God is not withholding. God is not trying to purify you through pain or poverty. God does not have some mysterious plan like the religious people say that, you know, really he wants to work with your motives or whatever. Yes, if your motives are wrong, you, you, you haven't even left the harbor yet. But if your motives are right, you know, you got to make sure that you're right in your heart. But God is not the person withholding. The devil is the God of this world and his job is to hinder things from coming. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Now we see that's the devil's part is to stop, but not God's part. He wants you blessed. Then, of course, the next paragraph, the, which, which I'm going now back to the earlier part of the book, because he, he, he writes it not in the order that I was saying it. But what is our part? There's God, there's the devil, and there's me. Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. God wants me blessed. You have to really have a revelation of that. The devil really doesn't want it to come to pass. You've got to really have a revelation of that. 
so that you don't blame God for what the devil's doing and get religious about it. And then what is my role? I'm the third party here. What do I do? Because if you just say, oh, well, God wants me blessed, and I can't tell you how many Christians I've heard say this. God wants me blessed. I believe, Pastor, that God wants me blessed whenever he's ready. I can't tell you how many Christians in this church over the years, faith people, I've heard say that. Listen, it's one thing for somebody in another denomination who's never heard faith before to say it. But when somebody is sitting in here hearing Pastor Nancy and hearing me and hearing others, and they're still saying that, I can't tell you how many people I've heard in passing conversation, Pastor, I, I know God wants me blessed. At least they got that part down. I know the devil's trying to steal it. At least they got that part down because most Christians don't even have those two parts down. But I've heard so many say over the years to me, well, whenever God's ready, well, whenever his will is, whenever it's his time, he'll give it to me when he's ready. When he thinks I'm ready, he'll give it to me then. So I'm waiting on him. You see that whole attitude of I'm waiting on him is wrong. You do wait on God for certain things. And there is a waiting process of patience that works with your faith. But a lot of people are waiting on God for finances, but they haven't even released their faith yet. You've got to release your faith first and then you wait on God. You don't wait on God first and never release your faith because it'll never come. Because the only thing that removes God's hand and the only thing that pleases God is faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. But if you'll do this faith and if you'll seek him, he will reward you. In other words, he'll give you the desires of your heart. What is Mark eleven twenty four? It's about faith. What is everything you desire when you pray? Believe. That's faith that you receive them by faith and God will cause them to come to pass and you'll have them. So a lot of people say this to me still and it just, it's just like putting hot acid on my skin. I can't tell you how much it hurts me and how much it angers me at the same time. And if I feel that way, can you imagine how much God feels that way? Because he feels a lot more than I do because he loves you a lot more than I do and he died for you and I didn't. God does not want you with the attitude whenever he's ready, one of these days, whenever he knows I'm ready, whenever it's his time, that is a religious mindset that must be crushed with the boot heel of the word of God. You do wait on God after you've released your faith, never before. Don't invert the order of your patience and of your waiting. What you need to do is understand God wants you blessed, the devil wants to stop it, and now the ball is in your court. What are you going to do about it? If you don't claim what you need and desire by faith and release your faith by the prayer of faith according to Mark eleven twenty four, and you don't take it and claim it and take it aggressively. If you don't do that action because you're waiting, you'll wait forever. And I've seen Christians, they said, well, whenever God's ready, whenever he knows I'm ready in 10 years, I guess God's still waiting for them to be ready. No, they missed, they inverted the order of waiting and they did without. What Gad Hagen was doing the same thing. He's like, well, I don't want the world's goods and I, God understands. And da, da, da. He, was, he was not using his faith for finances. He was using his faith for healing, his baptism of the Holy Ghost, salvation, but not finances. And God got all over him and said, you're doing without, not because of me, you're doing without. The devil wants you to do that, but you won't release your faith. You release your faith in other areas, but not this. When you release your faith in God and you claim it and take it by faith, then you wait. 
Then you enter a season of rest. Then you enter a season of I praise you. And I'm just in my hammock praising you. And when the attacks come and the, and the fight of faith comes, I cast that care over unto the Lord. I will not consider my body or the natural circumstances. I call the situation whole. I call the situation fulfilled, calling things that be not as though they are. And now I'm in a season of waiting. Faith works by patience. Faith works by love. In that season, I've got to keep my love walk right. And I've got to be patient and not get upset. That patience ever perfect work. I am waiting on God to manifest it only when I've released my faith. Never before I've released my faith because the clock, my brother and sister, doesn't start until you release your faith. Nothing happens until you release your faith. You haven't even got on the racetrack until you release your faith. Do you understand? Let me read you what Jesus said to Dad Hagen along this line. Some of you think, why do you quote Dad Hagen? Because he knew a lot more than you, a lot more than me, and a lot more than any preacher I've ever met combined. Because he was the forerunner of the last day great revival. Because he was the most balanced teacher of the Bible I've ever heard. And that's why if you listen carefully, you'll notice that Brother Copeland, he says it once in a while, but the only name, he may mention other names time to time, but the only name I've ever heard him say, I was listening to Brother Hagen before I went to sleep. I was listening to Brother Hagen in the car. What, who, who does the highest prophet in our generation listen to? Brother Hagen. Yeah. Who does Pastor Nancy listen to? Brother Hagen. Who did Dad Dufresne listen to all the time? Brother Hagen. I mean, who does Jerry Savelle listen to primarily? Brother Hagen. I'm telling you, there's a reason why. Because he was the most balanced prophet teacher that the body of Christ has in this generation. And Jesus took him up to the throne of God in 1950 in September. And the father was sitting just a few feet from him. And Jesus said, don't look at him. He could because he couldn't handle the glory. And Jesus put said, kneel down. He put his hands and he talked about his ministry. And he said to him that he was the last day. He was the he was the forerunner of the last day move of God. And his name was supposed to be John after John the Baptist. But his mother didn't listen. Jesus appeared to her and told her that. And she still didn't listen. And he said, it doesn't matter as much that you weren't named what I told her to name you. What matters is that you minister in the power of the spirit and that you fulfill your calling as the forerunner. And Dad Hagen never talked about that till years later because he didn't want to draw attention to himself. But toward the end of his life, he started talking about it more because he had to start get it on record before he went home publicly because he was such a humble man. He didn't want people to think that he was thinking of himself highly, but God thought of him highly. And so not only do we respect him as a man of God, we don't we don't worship him. He's not an idol to us. He's just a man like we are that failed in many areas like we do. But he knew God in a way that most of us don't. Mm. And he had a calling on on his life in a way that most of us will never have. And he was the most balanced teacher of the Bible that I've ever found, ever. And I've read hundreds and hundreds of books. My wife is an avid reader. I'm not an avid reader. I read what I like and I read what feeds me. But my wife has just a, she's just so smart. She reads every, she doesn't read everything. She's very careful what she reads, but she reads a lot. So she's read 10,000s of books, whereas I've read hundreds. No, I'm not exaggerating. And have you ever found any on all the authors of the tens of thousands of books that you've read? She reads two, three books a week on all the books that you've read, Jenny. Have you ever found it? Honestly, don't just say it because I'm on camera, but tell me the truth. Have you ever found somebody as balanced as Dad Hagen? Not in his revelation and not on his balance. That's why, that's why we refer to him. Not trying to, we're just honoring him. We're not trying to put him on a pedestal. Okay. I love the Holy Ghost. He tells on people. He does. 
I'm just here about to read and I heard him say, people, he said there's someone out there that's wondering why you always reference him, explain it. So whoever that is that's wondering why I always reference Dad Hagen, now you understand. Amen? We're not trying to put anybody on a pedestal. Jesus is our Lord, but he gave us gifts to the body of Christ, and he was one of the greatest gifts our generation has ever seen. Yes, amen. Praise God. So he says here, uh, I came to my, your trouble is you preach faith, but you don't practice faith, God told him. Jesus said to him, I came to my own defense, and I said, but Lord, you know I do. In all these years since I got my healing, I've never really been sick. I've always received my healing, and my little children have always received their healing. The Lord said, yes. You practice faith when it comes to healing, and that's commendable, but you use your faith only for healing, salvation, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's as far as you go with your faith. Listen to this, listen to this, this paragraph. But faith is the same in every realm, in every sphere. Faith works identically in every realm and in every sphere. Faith for finances works. This is Jesus speaking. Faith for finances works just like faith for healing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or salvation. Faith is the same in the financial realm as it is in any of the others, end quote. This is very important. He continued, now if it were healing you needed for your body, you would claim it by faith and go out and publicly announce you were healed. You've done that. Sometimes even while you were preaching, any symptoms that you had would disappear. Now you see you have to do the same thing when it comes to finances. All right, Lord, I'll do that. I saw that I wasn't exercising faith in finances at all. We hadn't known we could exercise faith for finances, and so we did unnecessarily without we struggled and we barely made it, but we, he could have, he just didn't know. Well, thank God we don't have to, we're on his shoulders. We stand on the revelation that he got, and so we have a better life and an easier life because we've learned he was older than us. He didn't understand all of this, but we, we got it because he taught the body of Christ and many other people obviously as well. We can release our faith for finances. So what is, God wants me blessed, the devil doesn't want me blessed. What is my job? My job is to side with God against the devil, and my job is to number one. Now, some people say, Pastor, I don't know the eight C's. I didn't write them all down. I hate to say it, but even Miss Lorraine didn't write all of them down. And she and she texted me and said, Pastor, I'm missing a C. Could you please tell me? Well, Miss Lorraine, if you're watching, you're an excellent student of the Bible, but you missed one of the C's. So disappointed. Praise God. Many others, I'm sure, missed more than one. I know Taylor missed four of them. So why don't we why don't we continue? Why don't we just repeat very quickly, what are we doing now? God wants me blessed. The devil wants to stop that blessing and hinder it, hinder it from my hands. What am I going to do? It's up to me. I have to release my faith in the sphere of finances like I do in anywhere else. How do I release my faith? Well, there's eight ways. He gave him four. I just added four for clarity. He said, one, claim what you need. That's the first C. Claim it. Take it. Mark, Mark, Mark eleven twenty four. I believe I have received. I take it now in Jesus' name. Amen. What's number two? What command, bind the devil, but for the sake of the letter C, so you remember, command the devil to take his hands off the financial increase that is rightfully yours in Christ because of the covenant. Command him to take, don't talk nice to him, command him to take his hands off it. In Jesus' name, he will obey you. If you believe, Mark eleven twenty three. what you say will come to pass, you'll have what you say. If you don't believe, he'll listen to you, he won't. But if you, you say, well, how do I get to the point where I believe you'll listen to me? Get in the Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The more you you meditate on
on the word, the more revelation comes out, rhema from the word, the more faith comes. Then when you speak, you'll believe that he'll listen to you and he will listen to you. It's not hard. Number three, charge the angels. I think I had said command before, but a better word is charge because the Bible says in Psalm 91, he gives his angels charge over us. God has given a charge or an assignment to the angels to help us. Now God says, put my word in your mouth, Psalm 103, verse 20, and you release with the command of faith, you Put my word in your mouth because they'll listen to the word that I speak that's in your mouth. So if he gave the angels a charge or assignment over our lives, we then release those angels into that a charge or into that assignment by speaking the word. So really we are charging the angels is a better, a more accurate, more biblical word than even commanding the angels. You could say command, but the word charge is more accurate. Because God gave them a charge, and then he gave us a charge to speak to them. And when we speak, they'll do because the word of God is in our mouth. So what's one? I claim what I want. This is my faith working. I, I command the devil to take his hands off, and I bind him. I charge the angels to go and cause the money to come, cause the increase to come, cause the clients to come. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I'm just thinking about my brother Gus, and I'm thinking about some other folks that have, that have sales jobs. It's very important. Release those angels. I know you do, but release those angels to cause the clients to come. Okay? Release them. Charge them. Give them an assignment. They're, they will wait on you like a, like a waiter. They, have, they serve you like a waiter according to Hebrews 1.14 in the original Greek. So charge the angels. Then what do you do? You celebrate. That's praise. Praise him. Rejoice in him. Oh, extol him. Father, I celebrate in you. I glorify you. I praise you. It's working behind the scenes. Those are the main four that Jesus gave him. For clarity, I just added a couple extra. Then what do we do? We call those things that be not as though they already are. So you call it. Start saying what you expect to see. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name for my seven new clients. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for the $400 to come in the next 30 days. I, I thank you I've got it. Father, I thank you that this growth in my leg, I thank you. I thank you it's gone. But it's not gone, but I call it in Jesus' name. I call my body as though I call it even though it's not as though it is. Thank you, I'm healed. Thank you, I'm healed. Thank you, the growth is gone. Thank you, the money is here. You're going to call it. Then the next two are very important. Don't look at the problem. Problem. Look at Jesus. Keep your eye on the word. So don't consider. Consider. And then the last, the, the seventh one is d cast your care. Because if you're looking, you're going to start being afraid. And even if you're not looking, even if you've got your eyes on the word, these thoughts will still come to you. They'll bombard you. That's the roaring lion trying to intimidate you with thoughts. If you give in to those thoughts and you start meditating on them and worse saying them, the devourer will come and with his teeth he'll get you. And then he will destroy that situation. So what do you do? Don't look at the problem and just don't consider and cast the care. Sometimes you have to do it multiple times a day. Father, I cast it and go right Right back to praise. Father, I praise you. I celebrate. I give you glory. It's all coming to pass. And then number eight, corresponding action. Do whatever the Holy Ghost tells you to do. If he tells you to sow a seed, sow a seed. If he tells you to buy an airplane hanger, buy an airplane hanger. If he tells you to move your leg because it was painful, but he wants you to give action to your faith, then do that. Like that man, the dead Hagen, A.B. Simpson, I think his name was. I can't remember, but he had that heart condition. And they, and they said, you know, that's impossible. You won't be healed. No, no, no medical signs. Remember, he, he and he wasn't even part of our faith denomination. But he just saw it in the word, didn't he, Jenny? And Brother Hagen talked about him. And he, and he re received his health for his healing for his heart, his heart condition by faith. And then the Lord prompted him, climb a mountain. Now, some of you goes, well, God wouldn't do that. Oh, oh, really? Maybe you don't know God the way you thought you did. And everybody said, if you, do, if you climb that mountain, you'll die. 
I mean, a mountain, not like, a, like the Alps, but a mountain in the United States, one of these, you know, 14, 15,000 feet things where you got, it takes you all day to get to the top kind of thing. And, uh, but the Holy Ghost said, if you believe you're healed, climb that. That's, that's your action. And so he climbed the mountain and he said halfway up the mountain, do you remember? He started having a heart attack. His, all the symptoms came back and he thought he was going to die. But he kept saying, because the devil was trying to get him to turn around and go back. And if he had done that, he would have lost his yeah. healing. Yeah. It would have never manifested fully to him. And he, he just, as he, as he tranched up that mountain, he just saying, Father, I believe I have received. Now he was before Dad Hagen's time. He didn't even have Dad Hagen's book. He just saw it in the Bible and got it himself. Father, I believe I have received my healing and I praise you for it. I don't think he knew about all the stuff about the devil and all that. I don't think he had all that revelation, but what he had got honored. And he just said, Father, I believe I've received. I ignore these symptoms. I consider not my own body. I consider the one who took it and hung on that tree for me. And I thank you that I'm healed. And he kept, and he pushed through those symptoms and went. And they said, I don't know, it was almost at the top. He said, all of them disappeared. They all of them like smoke. And he was instantly healed. His heart became that of a young man and was like that to the day he died. God did a creative miracle for him. But he could have turned around on that mountain. You see, that was an act of faith. I'm not telling you to climb a mountain, but I'm telling you there's usually some kind of corresponding action that God wants you to do. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good, Jennifer. The Lord is good. He's good. He wants us to release our faith in these ways. He wants us to believe that he wants us blessed. The devil doesn't. Get that straight. Release your faith and then just praise while you wait on him. Just praise, pray. There's some nuggets that'll help you tonight. Just praise, praise, praise. Now, four times the Holy Ghost has prompted me, but I've been busy telling another story. But uh, he keeps prompting me to tell you this story. So I'm going to tell you because I think it'll help some of you. So anyway, uh, you know, I have a motorcycle. Oh, yes. Jesus. Jesus would ride a motorcycle if he was on the earth today. <laughs> and I have a beautiful uh, BMW R1200R, just, just, just the best motorcycle, in my opinion, ever made. You might have a different opinion, Cyril. And I don't need you to text me, Brother Cyril, about your opinions about your motorcycle. Okay, brother? <laughs> I'm just kidding. And, uh, and so anyway, my, my five-year finance term was come due on May 23rd. And uh, it wasn't quite finished paying because the way that they do it, there's a balloon payment. So to keep your payments a little bit lower and more manageable, you owe a little bit extra at the end of the thing. And, you know, it was a few thousand dollars. And I just, I had the money, but it was ear tagged for other things. And I didn't really want to just, I didn't want to just dump that on that right now because I'm doing a bunch of other things. And so, and, you know, with my new business and stuff, we were investing money. And so I just didn't have, I just didn't have that extra right there. And so I, I, I just felt the Lord prompt and say, read the letter, because I read the letter. And in the letter, they said you can refinance it over another two-year term, and the payments stay the same as what you've been paying, and then at the end of two years, you own it free and clear. And so a little bit of interest, but it's better to pay the interest right now than having to come up with all that money up front. And so I, I, I started the process a month ago. I did it early, because they said you have to do it. Don't be late. So I did my job. I called, and long story short, went from one dealer to another dealer to another dealer, calling the finance department, going back to the dealer, and Weeks are passing and the dealer can't seem to figure it out. And after three and a half weeks, three days before the deadline, he called me, which was last Wednesday. He called me and he said, I'm so sorry. I feel so awful. He said, I've done every which way to know what I don't, it won't accept it. And I don't understand why. He said, go down to this motorcycle specialist. Another dealer deals with bikes specifically. They'll help you. So I had to 
call Oakville and blog on the phone, back and forth, email. You know, all this takes time. It's just annoying. It takes so much time. But the lady was very helpful, and she finally said, Sir, the reason why, I know why the other guy, he doesn't specialize in motorcycles. That's why he didn't, couldn't understand it. But he said, the reason why is the letter's wrong. They've offered you a refinance, but your model is a 2015 model, and the, the, the system will only allow us to refinance motorcycles 16 and newer. That is why it wouldn't accept the VIN number, but because he doesn't deal with motorcycles, he doesn't know that. And so she said, but I know that's the problem. So I said, well, they said that in the letter. She said the letter's wrong. I said, I don't care if the letter's wrong. They said that in the letter. The person who wrote the letter should know what they're writing. I get ornery with people because I have rights. <laughs> And I said, I am holding you accountable and BMW for the contents of this letter. If you didn't put in the letter, I'd have no leg to stand on, but you gave me your word. And I need that word right now to come to pass. <laughs> so I said, I need you to, she says, well, I'll have to escalate this to the upper management at head office. So she says, but I don't want you to get your hopes up because the letter's wrong. The system won't accept it unless you get a, I'm quoting her exactly, unless you get a high level managerial exception made, this is not possible. So I said, well, go ahead, ma'am. I won't say her name, but go ahead and do what you need to do. And I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to trust that it's going to work out. She goes, well, I hope for your sake it does, sir. And she says, I'll be in touch with you. And so that was on the Wednesday. <laughs> and now it's Wednesday today. And the deadline was Saturday, the 23rd. And so Thursday, I'm calling. I haven't heard back. Friday, I'm calling. I haven't heard back. I said, well, I'm not paying penalties and interest because it's your guy's fault. And tomorrow's the deadline. And she says, don't worry. I'll make sure you don't pay penalties or interest. It is our fault. But I haven't heard. So uh, I call her. I email her Sunday. Haven't heard. Because, uh, you know, she's in touch with the people. And they're on all weird hours because of COVID anyway. So it's not just office hours. Monday, haven't heard. Tuesday, haven't heard. And it's looking, looking, looking bad because it shouldn't take that long if they're going to approve it. Now, let me, let me teach you something because this will hopefully help you. Last week, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday when this process started, I was very busy. I had a lot of things going on and I know to release my angels to do that. And I, I'll be honest with you, this is what I did. I just, as I, in passing, I was busy, but I just said, now, Father, I just release my angels in Jesus' name. Go and cause that, that favor to come to me with whoever makes the decisions in the upper management. Angels, I release you to go and cause that to come. And I thank you, Father, for it. So what did I do? I did number three and I did number four. I charged the angels and I, and I praised God. I celebrated. And so I wasn't, I wasn't really thinking about it and I let it go. Then yesterday... Every day, it's, there's no answer, no answer. There's no, there's no update. There's no progress. And it's looking worse and worse as time passes. Is it the end of the world? No. Can I come up with the money? Yes. But it's more than that. It's an inconvenience to me. And God doesn't want you inconvenienced because he loves you. And he wants you to have the desires of your heart. He wants it convenient for you. That's a revelation to some of you right there. Yesterday, the Holy Ghost came to me. Now, this is so kind. I believe, Jenny, he did this because if he didn't do it, it wasn't going to work. And he wants me blessed. He came to me. I didn't go to him. He came to me. And he spoke to me yesterday, yesterday afternoon. And I want to tell you exactly what he said to me because it really helped me understand that even I can get slack and relaxed on these things. And I'm the pastor, for goodness sakes, preaching it to you. If I can get slack, I can guarantee that you can get slack. And the Lord said to me, the Holy Spirit said to me yesterday, son, did you claim? He asked me that question just out of the blue. 
I remember where I was in my bedroom. I remember exactly where I was standing because it was that distinct. I heard his voice. Son, did you claim the refinance? And I paused for a second and my first reaction was, well, of course I did. And so I said, yes, of course I did. And he responded to me and he said, no, you didn't. And he took me back to that day on Thursday or whenever it was, Wednesday afternoon, Thursday, I can't remember exactly. And he spoke to me. He said, son, you released your angels. He said, but you didn't claim what you need. That's right. and, and in my mind, I thought, well, why are you being, I'm not being disrespectful, but I'm thinking, why are you being petty? It doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, the, my heart's right. <laughs> and he spoke to me. He said, it doesn't work the way you did it. He said that to me just as loud as that, Jenny. It doesn't work the way you did it. You can't just release your angels independent of your faith. That's true. Amen. And I bet a lot of people are doing that. Oh, yeah. He said, son, you got to claim and receive this by faith. Then take authority over the devil. Then release your angels and then praise me. But you can't skip step one and jump to step three. I'm telling you, that's so simple. Amen. But it, was, it hit me. And I thought, what's wrong with you, Craig? You know this. You preach this. But we get distracted and we get busy. And I paused yesterday in that right there where I was. I know exactly where I was standing in the room because it so surprised me that he lovingly corrected me because I guess he knew something was going to go wrong. And what I had done was not sufficient. So I paused and I said, Father, it doesn't take long. You don't have to pray long. I said, Father, right now, I'm sorry for that, Lord. I repent. I said, Father, right now, I claim in the name of Jesus the refinance on that motorcycle. Father, I reach out my hand of faith and I take it now in Jesus' name. You said that whatever I ask, that nothing's impossible. And though, even though the letter is wrong and they shouldn't have offered it, and now it's going up to the top management and I don't know what's going on and it doesn't look good and the lady's saying it doesn't look good, but I'm not moved by any of that. Father, in the name of Jesus, you said whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Now, Father, I desire this and I'm praying. Now, I lay hold of it in the name of Jesus by faith. I reach out my hand of faith and I claim the refinance and I take it in Jesus. And I did it just like that. With my, I do the actions and everything. I said, I can lay hold of it and I believe by faith right now that I receive it in Jesus' name. I take it now. Devil, and I, and I didn't rebuke the devil either. And, and he didn't say that to me, but as I'm saying it, then I realized I skipped step one and two and went to step three, and the devil's working behind the scenes to stop it. True. And I said, devil, you take your hands off that in Jesus' name right now. And it's, I just don't say it once. Just believe what you say, that it works. I said, in Jesus' name. I said, now, angels, I release you again. I said, go forth. In Jesus' name, I charge you, go and cause whoever is making the decisions to give me favor, even if they don't know why. Yeah, and I said, Father, I praise you for it. And I start to say now, what am I doing? I'm calling. I start to say, I have the refinance. Thank you, Father. I believe I have received my refinance of that motorcycle. Just as it's more convenient for me, Father. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And that's it. I didn't think about it again. And at 
6.15 this evening as I'm about to get in the car to come down to church. I get a little ding on my phone and there's the lady, the finance advisor, and she said, Mr. Field, I have great news for you. And I thought that's all I need to read is that there's great news. <laughs> and she said, the, the, the senior management have approved the exception and we have it for you and blah, 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 blah. And when is a convenient time for you to come in and sign the papers? And I just, I just felt the Holy Ghost was smiling, Jenny. I just, he was so happy that I got the desire of my heart. He was happy that it was convenient for me. Now don't get bunged up and stumble over, well, should you really do a finance? Shouldn't you pay it cash? You see, you're missing the forest for the trees. I said I could pay the money, but it was inconvenient for me to do because the money was ear tagged for other things and it would cause juggling in my finances that I didn't want to do. So it was more convenient. It's worth me paying the small amount of interest in order for me to have the convenience and it helped my budget. And that's my prerogative. You can do whatever you want to do. That is my decision. You don't judge me on my decision and I won't judge you on yours. If you want to pay it cash, pay it cash. If you want to do a finance, if you want to do a lease, whatever you want to do, do whatever is what's good for you and what you feel good about in your heart. For me, that's what was right for me. And the Holy Ghost wanted me to have that, Jenny, because he wants to give me the desires of my heart. He wants me to have, as long as I'm not violating the word and going contrary to his leading. Now, if he prompted me and said, don't do this, son, I want you to pay it off. If he prompted, then of course I have no foundation for my faith because I'm violating the word of God. I may not have a scripture reference because it's, that's general, but in the specifics of this case, there's no scripture reference, but I have to be led by the spirit. And if he had prompted me, don't refinance, that is the word of God to me in the specifics of this case. Now, if I were to proceed with refinancing, I am violating the word of God to me in this particular case, and therefore there cannot be faith. The faith that I get from the word, it does not over, override violating the leading of the spirit. So I can't have a foundation for faith if I violate the promptings and leadings. But the Lord didn't prompt me. In fact, I asked him back three, four weeks ago. I said, Lord, what did, is there a preference that you have? And by the way, you should ask God when you're dealing with finances if he has a preference because he knows what is best for you. Uh -huh. And don't just think you're so smart. I said, Lord, is there a preference? My preference is to refinance because if I don't, I have to do all these steps and it's going to be more confusing to me. But I'll do whatever you want. Is there a preference? And the Lord prompted me in my heart just quietly. He said, son, I don't have a preference. Do whatever you want. So he gave me cont blanche. Now he has not given me an instruction. He's let me decide. So I made the decision. It's better for me and my family. It's more convenient for us to do it this way. So I'm not violating the word of the Lord to me specifically. I have a foundation for my faith because he's given me the green light and I've got the word of God in general on it. But if I don't release my faith, I'm telling you, Jenny, that thing was not going to be approved. I know it by the spirit. That's why he came to me yesterday in kindness because he knew in my rush and my distraction, I, I, and God's not legalistic. He's not trying to say, you got to do step one, you got to do step two. He's not legalistic like that, but he does know that you can't just skip steps arbitrarily and just everything is about angels right. or everything is about praise or everything is about calling, calling, calling. If you haven't even done the basics, which is, did you, did you lay hold of it and receive it by faith? Did you actually pray and ask God for that thing that you need intentionally on purpose for specific needs? Right. 
Not in general, not if it be thy will, not whenever you think I'm ready. Have you actually laid hold and claimed it by faith? And for me, I got so distracted and busy, I actually didn't. I didn't mean to, but it just passed me by. And the laws of the Spirit weren't working for me right. The angels are trying, but I haven't even released my faith so that it's, they can't work right. And the devil's working against me, and they're not, they can't deal with the devil properly because I need to release my authority over that devil for them to be able to do fully what they need to do. So the angels are trying, and they're probably thinking to myself, what kind of an idiot is it? Bang, slash, then move. They're trying to fix things, and they're talking to you. What, what's this problem? He doesn't even do what he preached. He's sending us, and he didn't, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And they can't do it. Not fully. So I did, what, I did it the right way. Father, I claim it. I lay hold of it. This took 30 seconds, but I'm telling you, I released my faith. And I told the devil to take his cancerous, rotten hands off it. And I released those angels, and I started to praise them. And, I, and every time I thought about it, I'd just say, Father, thank you. I, I, I have it in Jesus' name. I'm calling it. I have it. Praise God. Amen. Amen. It's a small thing, but I'm telling you, I know by the Spirit it would not have worked no. if he hadn't have come to me and corrected me because he knows the laws of the Spirit work when you work them. You can't skip steps with God. I don't mean to be legalistic, and I'm not trying to be legalistic, but you've got to understand, follow. It's not hard. Why rebel against it? Just follow the steps of the Bible. Follow the order that Jesus gave Dad Hagen because it's all in the Bible. It's based on the Bible. Just claim by faith. Receive what you need. Lay hold of it. You've got to do that first. Remember Jesus said, come to me. Two or more are gathered in my name. I'm in the midst of you. Ask the Father what you will in my name, and my Father will give it to you. Notice that he said you have to ask yeah. for whatever it is that you want in my name. And then the Father, if you don't ask, Jesus said, ask and your joy may be full. You have not because you ask not. This is not just, this is not just me. This is in the Bible. You've got to ask. What is asking? Claim what you need. Yes. Lay hold of it by faith. Believe you have received it. That is the asking. If you don't ask, what, is, what does 1 John say? That we know that we have the things that we've asked of God, desired of God. Right? I'm misquoting that, honey. How does that go? Uh, help me. We have the petitions we've desired of Him. How does the whole verse go? This is the confidence. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask, if we ask anything according to His will, His word, He knows that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, yeah. we know that we have the petitions we've desired of Him. This is a confidence we have that if we ask anything, ask anything, ask anything. If you don't ask, he can't answer. You can't skip the asking and ask the angels, go do your job when you didn't even ask God the Father yourself. Now they're stunted in their maneuvers. Ask him, claim it. Whatsoever things you desire, my Father will give it to you in my name. What a promise. Ask him, claim it. Then take the devil, take his hands off. Then release the angels. Then praise. Then do all the other things. But start with laying hold and asking in Jesus' name. Jesus. And I'm telling you, I won't give into the specifics, but there's something about our business that, that uh, we're learning. I'm on a learning curve because I'm not a businessman, but I'm a preacher. And I'll always be a preacher. But there's just something, an area in the business that I have to learn some things that I don't, I've just never learned before because I've never been to school for this. And I'm learning as I go and learning by trial and error. And there was something that wasn't working right for, for a little bit of time, uh, about a month or so. And, and just today, the Holy Ghost prompted me. I didn't even have a chance to tell you this, honey, but just today he prompted me. Uh, and he said, son, have you even even asked me about that. Right. And I thought, did I? And I realized, oh my, oh my Lord, I didn't. 
Here I have been struggling with an area, frustrated with an area, hamstrung by an area, locked in by an area that I didn't want and it's affecting profitability and all that stuff. And I've been trying to figure it out. I've been reading, I've been studying, I've been doing natural things, I've been trying to figure it out. And in all my figuring it out, because I'm trying to be a good, I'm trying to be, it's not everything is spiritual. There's some natural things you need to do in life too. So I'm trying to do corresponding action. I'm trying to be wise. But in all of that, Jenny, I don't know how is it possible that we can get so distracted, that we can get so busy, that we miss the basics. And in all of that, trying to figure it out, being too mental about it, I forgot, my God, here I am thinking about it and worrying about it, but did I actually lay hold on my faith with this? In the, in the general area, yes. But I'm talking about just one little specific corner that's been giving me, it's like a little, it's like a little burr. It's been bothering me and it's not, hasn't worked out yet. And I, and, but see how kind the Lord is? He didn't beat me over the head and say, you're so stupid. You're a preacher. You should know better than that. Did you ask me? He didn't do that. He doesn't talk to us that way. He came to me so softly this afternoon and said, son, I know you're trying to figure this out and you've been trying to figure it out for weeks and you've been going every which way that you possibly can. But did you actually lay hold of this by faith? And I thought, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Oh my God, I don't know what's wrong with me. I didn't have Jesus. I, I, Lord, I said, that's two occasions in as many days. Yesterday, BMW, and today, the business. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I guess I get so distracted, and it just easily passes you by. And so I took my wife's hand this afternoon, this evening, and I said, just before service, and I said, honey, I haven't done this. I should have done this. I got so distracted and so concerned mentally about it. Take my hand. And what did we do, honey? We joined hands, and we released our faith. We laid hold of the solution to that problem by faith and we started pulling it toward us. We took it, we claimed it, and we believed we had received it at the time we prayed. We told the devil to stop it. We released the angels to go and assist us and we started to praise God together in the car and then I started calling and I said, now Father, I thank you. I call and I named it as though I, as the way I wanted to look, the way I wanted to be. Call things that be not yet as though they already are. I started to call it. I started to call it. And then even before, because I know I'm going to be tempted to consider, and I know I'm going to be tempted to fret. So even before that happened, I, says, I, I said, Jenny heard me. I said, now, Father, I just want you to know, I'm, I'm going to, I refuse to even think about this or look at this or consider this problem anymore. And, and I cast all that care, even in the future, even stuff that's, a, I just cast it over unto you in advance. I just cast it over unto you. I'm not, I refuse to be concerned about this, not another second. I have it in Jesus' name. I've laid hold of it. I can't believe for a month I could have tried to figure this out and in all the rush and in all the distraction actually forgot to pray that prayer of faith. I know, you see, you won't hear a lot of preachers tell you that because they blow in, they blow up, and they blow out. And most of them are smarter than me anyway, so they, they, they didn't miss it. But even if they did, they probably wouldn't tell people because they, they, they want you to see the the strongness, the strength, and the success. But a pastor is different. A pastor has to be transparent. A pastor has to be open because the way that you, one of the ways, and I taught this in the, in the membership class a while ago, but one of the ways that a pastor's office works that God showed me in First Peter is that there's a transparency element to it. Yeah. The people are helped to learn by the pastor being transparent to say, this is what I failed in, and this is how I applied the word, and this is how the word worked. Yeah. And then when people can see the transparency and they can see, oh, he's just like me. He's not just this big guy that never makes a mistake and never misses it. He's just like me. And I, I've done what he said more probably times than he's done it. 
I know exactly what he's talking about. I know exactly where he's missed it because I've missed it there too. But look, if he could miss it, and I know I've missed it, and he can apply the word and then see it work, well, I can apply the word and I can see it work. So a pastor's transparency more than the other offices help the sheep to understand how the Bible works and how to apply it to day-to-day living and how mistakes are made. But that doesn't mean we're knocked down, but we're not knocked out. That doesn't mean because you stumble that you're out of the race. Just get up and keep running. So I share these stories not so that you'll judge me or that you'll think less of me or so that you'll laugh at me or mock me or say, my God, what an idiot. He's the preacher and he can't even remember to do the number one thing, the first C. Here he is talking about Lorraine missing the eighth C, but he forgot the first C. I don't tell you so that you can mock me or berate me. I tell you so that you can understand that I'm human like you're human and I can miss it and you can miss it and life can get busy and distracting. And before you know it, here we're in our mind about things, struggling about things, but we never even did what the Bible said. So take a lesson from my life and don't do what I did and do what I did secondly. Don't do what I did first. Don't get so distracted and so mental and so concerned that you're just, I didn't say that there's not a natural side to life that you have to read and learn and be wise. There is that side. But make sure that you release your faith right right at the beginning, not at the end like I did at the beginning. And you'll see this works. This works. God will sometimes save your chestnuts from the fire like he did with me and BMW. My chestnuts were in the fire. They were roasting. But he pulled my chestnuts out of the fire. And he said, Craig, here, if you'll just do this, your chestnuts will be safe. I don't even know where that's from. All I know is that it's in a song. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I don't know what that song is. But I like that song. I sing it. I don't even know what a chestnut is. Is it like, are they like little peanuts or something? I don't even know what they are. But anyway, I just always have an image of chestnuts there. And they're eating the peanuts. And they're all on their blankets. And they're the Christmas tree and the little dove is on the window and praise God then angels flutter down and start to sing hallelujah I mean this is the I'm a little bit nuts I have these weird images in my mind but he saved my chestnuts they were in the fire he pulled them out of the fire and now everything is okay praise God and you know what he's if he did that for the BMW he'll do that for the he'll do that for the other problem I've got because he's a good God and he wants me blessed but I can't he can't do my part I have to do my part I have to believe that he wants me blessed. I have to understand the devil doesn't want me blessed. And I have to do my part. My part is release my faith. It works in the same way in every sphere. And the first thing is claim it. Lay hold. Take it. Believe you've received it at the time you pray. And then do all the other steps. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I trust it's helped you. I trust the simplicity in this of it doesn't complicate. I don't, if it's too complicated and it's too hard for them to remember, they'll never do it. What are the eight C's? Claim, command, charge, celebrate. What are the next four? Call, consider, not. Consider Jesus, consider not the circumstance. Call, consider, cast. Cast it all on him. All that fear. And do corresponding action, whatever that action is that corresponds to your faith. Do that, my brother and sister. It works. It works. Hallelujah. It works. Didn't get as far in my notes as I wanted. I'd like to blame somebody else, maybe somebody in the sound booth over there, but I can't because it's my own. I, that's just the way the service went tonight. Yeah. But praise the Lord. The Lord is with us. I felt him prompt me four times to share that story with you. So I know that it, I know that it helped somebody. Praise God. Yeah. 
Somebody, I don't know if she wants me to say her name. I'll just say her name because I don't really care. Miss Danielle texted me, Jenny, and said, Pastor, when you shared that story about the tractor, you have no idea how much it helped me. Just the practicality of how you were led by the Spirit and how, how, how that process unfolded. Sure. I think a lot of people know it theoretically, but they don't know it in practical living. Right. Or they've tried it a few times, maybe missed it, maybe, maybe hit it on the head. But th- there is a real, there's a real practicalness to being led by the Spirit. Oh and, 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 it's, and it's not hard. No. You just have to pray in the Holy Ghost a little yes. bit more so that you get to sensitive to his voice versus your voice versus the world's voice versus the devil's Absolutely. voice. Because the world and society will influence you. People around you have a voice. The devil certainly has a voice. And then your own flesh and your own desires have a voice too. But we want the Holy Ghost voice. Hallelujah. And it takes time to learn that. So, Danielle, I'm happy that it helped you. I hope you don't mind me mentioning your name. Uh, she's, I don't mention people's name unless I know for sure that they're not going to mind. But I hope the practicality helped not just you, sweetheart, but everybody watching, that we can be led by the Spirit. Faith does work. God will come through for us. Let's do it. Let's do our part. Don't just wait on Him till He thinks you're ready. You do your part in faith. Then you wait on Him while you praise, while His power is working behind the scene, while you're waiting for the manifestation. Believe that you have received That's in the spirit, that's in the invisible, and ye shall, future tense, have. That's in the natural. That's when he manifests, that's his side, and your senses see it. You you walk by faith, not by sight, but faith always ends in sight. You will see it come to pass. Praise God.